Welcome back to the Sunday session, the NRL.com podcast, where we take you back through all eight games from the weekend um, and a bit of a throw forward to next week. Chris Kennedy in the studio with Kenny Scott, our jet-setting friend Craig Wing. is once again jet-setting, so we are privileged to welcome Bradley Walter via uh, the magic of the internet for his second appearance of the year. Thanks for joining us, boys. Well, it's great to be yeah. here. Thank you so much. Yeah, Pleasure. Good stuff, good start, strong start. Let's start off with the um, the Panthers and the Roosters. Um, obviously, we haven't had the, the Monday Queen's birthday game yet between the uh, the Bulldogs and the Dragons, so I'll finish up with a little bit of a look ahead there. But um, Penrith, I guess a little bit of a boil over. I know quite a few people tip Penrith just given the um, the woes that the Roosters have got with backing up from origin and, and team changes and injuries and that sort of thing. But this was, for me, it was their best performance of the year. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Like, where did, where did they come from? They All of a sudden, like, what a difference a couple of weeks makes, right? Like, all of a sudden they had, you know, enthusiasm and they seemed to be really, um, I know I say determined a lot to describe teams when they win, but I don't know, it seemed like they really wanted it. I think, like, not necessarily happy, but not sad, I think, because the last, <laughs> like, not the, sad the, for this year they've, they've seemed really, like, yeah, sad and, like, heavy, like, with, like they've got heavy minds, but it just seemed mm. that they were a lot more... Um, they had a lot more freedom, it felt. that They play with a lot more freedom, I thought. And obviously, like, James Maloney was really, like, he was on again. And I think when he when he's got it, when he's when he's got that sort of feeling and he's barking the team around the park and everything like that, I think it sort of, it, it changes the whole vibe. And I think um, Cleary, having gotten through Origin relatively okay in terms of his performance, I think that's probably given him a bit of a boost as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I agree with you. It was easily their best performance this year. Yeah, I just think that um, they had a, a really ugly win against Parramatta a couple of weeks ago, um, and 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 while that was a pretty low standard game, um, it was a Thursday night game at, at Bank West Stadium. But I think that gave them the confidence and self belief, and they've just kicked on from there, and they've been gradually getting better and better. And like we shouldn't be while we're surprised at how well they played today, given um, compared to how they've been going throughout the season. Most of us expected them to be one of the one of the sort of uh, top teams this season, and I think we're like the Knights, uh, who started off the season really poorly, and there was talk about the coach being sacked. They're a team that you can see they're starting to now, um, you know, find their rhythm and get get to the point where we thought they they might have been, and we're starting to see like lots of players are playing a lot. Lots of players have been down in form, and those guys are all they're all uh, starting to play well. Maloney uh, when he's Yapping around and, and heavily involved in in the in the game, things are always going to happen. Uh, Cleary looks, um, you know, he, he's just a solid a solid player. And when Maloney's there calling the shots, it just takes a lot of pressure off him. But GZ does a lot of work. Uh, Nathan Nathan Cleary that may mm-hmm. may go unrecognised. And what I thought, and I keep, every game I watch now, I keep thinking for a state of origin selections. But you know, Regan Campbell Gillard, I, I thought yeah. he had a good, really good game today. He made 131 metres um, coming off the bench and. Um, you know, Maloney is another one who has really put himself in the frame for origin selection with three um, tri-assists and a, and a 40-20 kick and, and just a commanding um, game there. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's been good signs, for, good signs there for, uh, for Penrith and, um, you know, this competition's wide open. It's, it's not too late to make a run at the finals. Well, yeah, yeah, make some good points there. I was going to mention Campbell Gillard. If you didn't, I thought that was his best game of the year quite comfortably. They obviously um, really welcome back Viliami Kikau, who missed last week with a virus, but um, I think it was 10 tackle busts he finished up with, something massive, and two tries, which was huge for them. Um, and you talk about how tight the comp is, and you know, even a month ago we were sort of saying there were three 
good teams and then a couple of decent teams and then just the rest. But you, you look at it now and Penrith are, what, two, one, one win out of the eight, one win behind um, the Eels who are in eighth uh, with 12 ladder points and Penrith now on 10, even though they're still in 14th. They're, they're effectively one win outside the top eight, so it is uh, very even. What do we make about the Roosters? Because they've slipped a little bit down the ladder, still sitting in third, but a lot of team changes. Latrell Mitchell got rested. Angus Crichton was out as well. Um, even beyond that, they had team changes. A new hooker with Victor Radley benched and just sort of team changes all over the shot. I think it's really interesting how the season changes and, and takes shape because I remember, it must have been like not four weeks ago, you, me, and Wingy were sitting here going like, who's going to stop the Roosters? Mm. They're, the, they're the best team in the entire world. And things like, you know, Mitchell was on that incredible hot streak. And now, um, well, they're definitely not terrible, but they're just such a different team to what they were during that period. Um, mm. And it's, it's true what you say. You've got like these other teams uh, that are, like it's not just a clear of like the top three and the rest. Uh, and so the Roosters are going through this really interesting period where they're still doing really well, of course. Like any, any team that's got Tedesco and Kronk and, you know, their other host of superstars is going to do well. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond to this loss, I think, um, and get through the rest of the origin period because um, yeah, obviously they're going to be, he- they are heavily affected. What do you reckon, Brad? Once they get sort of the origin players out of rep period and Luke Keary comes back, uh, no reason they can't sort of go on a, a big run towards the finals? Oh, absolutely. There's no reason. They were playing so well a, a month ago, up until a month ago. I think origin is just a great leveller, isn't it, in the middle of the season. It's, uh, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And, and I suppose it's not like teams can battle through with injuries, but then they get players on rep duty as well. And um, and they've, they've got to cope, cope with a lot of players either playing a lot of football or a lot of players being unavailable. And, and the Roosters are really um, struggling with that at the moment, obviously compounded by Kiri, uh, you know, ha- having Kiri out for a long time. Uh, Cronk had been out for a while. So they're, they're just disjointed. Jake Friend being out is a massive um, blow to them and they haven't really sort of, um, haven't really coped with that, to, to be honest. They haven't found a solution to that problem. Um, yeah, so they're just, as I said, they just seem... Um, disjointed at the moment, but I've got no doubt when they get all their troops back and um, and the, and the, they haven't got they're past the rep period that um, yeah they'll, they'll be there or about when it counts. Brad, obviously the the first game another boil over result. The Titans too good for the Broncos. Is this a you know the, the improvement in the Titans? How much of this can we sort of tie into Riley Jacks replacing Ash Taylor in the halves? Oh well, I don't think we can put it down to to you know um, purely to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, look, Riley Jackson, it was good to see him come back. He's got to put, you know, I think the Titans, a lot of these players, they're, 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 they've got nothing to lose. There's no expectation on them. And, you know, they go up to Brisbane and for people um, who, who live in Sydney or who don't live in Brisbane or in South East Queensland, the Titans versus the Broncos is a big derby game. And it's a big game for the Titans. When they go up to Suncorp Stadium and they play before crowds of 30,000 plus, um, it, it's, a, it's a real derby. It's little brother versus big brother. And, and, these are always good games, or usually, uh, usually good games. You know, big blow for the uh, for the Broncos losing um, Gidden in the first you yeah. know, five or six minutes of the game, and um, it, it's really hard to, to cope with losing a playmaker um, and, and having to play, having to play so so long without a playmaker. But you know, Tyrone Roberts is um, really good to see him play so well um, for the Titans and, and have such a, such a strong game there. And I suppose the Broncos too; they've got a lot of young forwards who are. You know, having their first taste of state of origin as well, and they've had to back up, um, and, and they've probably, you know, found out found out how tough um, that can be. But 
um, yeah, I think it's it's, it's pr- probably a promising sign for the for the for the Titans, and um, you know maybe some concerns for the Broncos um, going through the Origin period. Do do we think? Um, you mentioned it was Ty Roberts' uh, like best game of the season, um, which I'd agree with. He had a fantastic game. Well, I think it was his best game of the season. Do you reckon now that like Ash Taylor has is out, he's he's being rested, he's taking some time out. Um, that just means there's no question as to who the dominant half is, and that's just made everything a lot more clear for the team because it just seemed like Riley Jacks, whilst he may be you know Canada's number one rugby league superstar, he's not. In, you know, he, he's not this he's not this amazing dominating half, um, but things just really seemed to click for them. I thought um, in the playmaking stakes for that game, I just think maybe yeah. Now that the the, the Ash Taylor um, question has been taken out, just made things a lot more clear for the team. I was I was really impressed with the Titans um, in this game. Like it was a clutch game; they had to win after mm. the the poor period they've had, and then their star halfback. Yeah, you know. Rest, being rested or taking time out, they had to come out. Play, like it was all set up. This is what I love about rugby league. It's yeah. the stories and it's it's that sort of thing. So they've come up against massive adversity. They have to make a statement. Come up against Big Brother, um, and they did it. They played out of their skin. It was a, it was a fantastic game. Uh, if you're a Titans fan or just a rugby league fan in general, yeah, you're right. That the review sort of going on and all this talk about you know whether the coach is going to last his deal and then Ash Taylor pulling out it was uh, certainly a big game for them uh, just going back to Saturday night now the Cowboys up against the Seagulls um, bit of a, it was an interesting game it was sort of end to end and you, you never knew who was going to um, you know emerge triumphant until right at the, the very finish but um, it was another impressive game from Manly who just sort of I know they had one or two off weeks in the last month but just kept, seemed to keep finding a way to get it done Brad I'd like to ask you a question about this game why do Manly keep winning <laughs> How? How do they keep winning? I think it's, uh, it's it's something in the water over there. Manly. <laughs> oh, just, uh, Give me something else. Yeah. Well, look, Manly, Manly just they are the club, aren't they? Who you know backs against the wall when they're doing it tough. Um, you know they they find a way to find a way to win. They've been a really successful club over throughout the history the, the history of of the Manly Seagulls. Um, you know they they don't have too many poor seasons. Um, and you know, yeah, they're they're they've got and they're, look, they've got a lot of good players, but they've got players that are that are that are playing really well as well. But I mean, the thing for me, well, a couple of, there's a lot of points to take out of this game actually. Mm. Uh, uh, from Manly point of view, from a New South Wales point of view, Tom Dravojevic back his first game in ten weeks. Um, you know, he, obviously he could have played better. He's, he's um, he, he was a bit rusty, I suppose you'd say, but he still came up with two tries. This ran 110 meters. Um, I, think we'll pro- that's probably good enough to get him back into the origin side. But from the Cowboys' point of view, um, they played the last 12 minutes with only 12 men on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, geez, it, the, the game was in the balance and, and they were a player down. And it's, it's you know, it's uh, it's bad luck. But, you know, I, 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 don't know if it's, I don't know if I can say it's bad management because, I mean, you get to, you get to that period of the game and, and you probably don't have um, two interchanges up your sleeve and, and they look, they lost... Um, they lost Mitchell Dunn and Jordan McLean through injury um, in sort of the last 15 minutes, and probably, you know, Paul Green probably had one interchange up his sleeve then. But you know, um, uh, you know, it's just I can't remember the last time I saw a team run around with with a player short through, you know, because of, not because of a send off, just because they just had run out of interchanges or run out of players. Um, uh, and, and look, Jason Tomalolo, more than three, he ran for more than 300 metres. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, and you sort of just got to wonder what, you know, given the, how close the game was, if the Cowboys had their full complement at the back end of the game, you know, maybe they would have powered, powered home and, and, and got the win. But a great effort by Manly there 
um, to go up to Townsville and, and to get the two points. Yeah, well, on that, um, they, they, used, they made a double change in the 65th minute or the 66th minute. Um, one was to replace the injured Mitch Dunn. The other one was to bring um, Jake Granville back on for, for Ruben Cotter because um, I know Paul Green always likes saying that he wants to finish the game with Granville and he's you know had periods where he'll start with the reserve hooker so that he can only use one change on his hooking rotation. He doesn't want to use two changes, getting a hooker on and then and then switching them back. I think we're fighting with other clubs. You know, Look at Manly and they just use one change usually to, to replace Coruscant with uh, Manase Fanu, so they're not using two changes on the hookers. Other clubs won't use any because they, they have an 80-minute hooker. Um, so they'd used all their changes um, with 15 minutes to go, and then obviously got unlucky with um, with two injuries at the end. But you find other clubs that will manage their interchanges a lot better. Penrith finished the game today with still two interchanges left. They could have wow. had two interchanges in the 79th minute um, if they'd wanted to. So um, quite often you, you'll see a, a team mainly in that game only use seven through right through the 80 minutes. They they kept their last interchange up their sleeve the whole last 10 or 15 mm. minutes. I think that's probably the, the better way to go. But like you said, with two injuries, um, that sort of throws things out a little bit. I did just touch on Ruben Cotter. What, Brad, I'll start with you. What did what did you think of the no-try ruling against Ruben Cotter? Oh, yeah, well, like, you know, it's, um, it, was, it was a, I don't know, probably a d- difficult one. I'm not really sure that, that I, that I feel, you know, feel confident about making a call uh, one way or one way or another on that, you know, sort of, I'll leave it with the, uh, leave it, leave it with the match officials. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, it's whatever, whatever was ruled is what was ruled, and yeah, I could see arguments either way. I'm sure um, Gray Manisley will address it on his uh, Monday briefing. Oh. Like, certainly live, I thought it should have been a try, but like you say, there's you know, if you're ruling on a technicality or keeping consistency, it makes it a bit tricky. I just wanted to touch on the, those interchanges again. I think so. Like Paul Green, I think he's probably one of the most uh, strategic coaches in terms of the way that he uses the interchange. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, um, particularly when they were, you know, dominant the year they won the competition and after that he re- he, he was really tactical about, you know, how uh, when he would take off his um, his middle forwards um, and he would take them off together and he it, um, just before half time and he would have, uh, he would have um, you know, the, the interchange um, forwards out there and he would also replace the hooker and then he would um, bring them back gradually, and he'd have Tom Alolo back. He'd, be, he'd have the starting pack there for the last 20 minutes or so, and they mm-hmm. were just absolutely steamrolling teams. And they ch- had to change things um, as their roster has changed slightly, but he's very strategic about it, and I think maybe that's why he uses the... He will always use the full eight um, interchanges because he's using them from a tactical point of view. And then when they got those you know, those two injuries there, that's probably... Uh, he's probably been, been caught short there. Well, it just sounds like poor tactics then, <laughs> to not plan for, for injuries. Anyway, I, I think I'm being mean. <laughs> yeah, um, like Brad said, he's probably fairly structured about it, but there's certainly some, some strategy involved. Um, Sharks v Eels. Now, 42-22 is the final scoreline. You have to say it probably flatters the Eels, really. I think the Sharks probably took their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, Eels all year and, and probably for a while haven't, been pretty good front runners, but not the best at responding to adversity. And a few things went against them here, and obviously losing Clint Gutherson, and they just didn't really respond. Do you reckon that's what it was? Like just losing Gutherson so early, they didn't they didn't know what to do after that. Which, if that's the case, I find that really like that's really disappointing, right? They've got other they've got other leaders in that in that um, team, um, and for them to not uh, like to not put in a consistent effort. I kind of that kind of sounds like a throwaway line, but. Um, 
Yeah, they, they just they were never really in it until there was no chance they were going to win. And then, you know, the, shark, the, the, ball yeah, the Sharks probably put the foot, take, took the foot off the gas and then Parramatta thought, all right, yeah, let's, let's have a red-hot crack at this. And it was, I mean, I, I love it when a game goes from 38-6 to 38-22 in the space of like 12 minutes or whatever it was. That's great. But when it's when the game's gone, like what what use does that does that provide? Mm. So um, I'd be really I'd be kind of I'd be disappointed as a Parramatta fan. Um, I, as a Sharks fan, I wouldn't necessarily be too alarmed about that that lapse of, of, of defence because the game was well and truly won at that point. Um, I really loved that first um, that first Sivo uh, try. Uh, like how how on earth did he get that ball down? That's just that was classic uh, like top shelf rugby league right there. A bit more of that. Brad, plenty of positives for the Sharks and notably uh, Wade Graham's return. Yeah, fantastic. Um, he played 33 minutes. He um, came on at left second row. He made three line breaks. The try assist ran 125 metres. And just what uh, what was fantastic was so Bronson Cherry had moved yeah. from uh, right centre to left centre to uh, so that um, Josh Morris could be rested. And he, he just fitted in so well on that side. And when Graham came on... Their combination out there um, on that that left edge, they just absolute Cherry's speed and Graham's ball skills. They absolutely just tore Parramatta apart on that side. And as a uh, having, I've seen a fair few uh, Cronulla games this season, and you know they've had a big injury toll, and they've they've brought in all these young players uh, like Bronson Cherry, like Britton Nakora, uh, Kyle Flanagan, and they've all stood up and they've been great. And now they're starting to get their injured players back, but. What we'd seen up until last night, we'd seen um, Britton Nakora and Bronson Cherry playing on the on the right edge, mm. um, and and which and that, and that was devastating. But on the left side, they weren't as potent. But now they're going to have they're going to so they're going to have Britton Nakora, and it remains to be seen. Josh Morris has got to come back into the team uh, somewhere. Sean Johnson's got to come back into the, the team somewhere. But you know, we could have on the right edge, we could have Sean Johnson, um, Britton. Britton Nakora, mm. maybe Josh Morris and Josh Dugan playing on that side and on the other side of the field um, um, we've got Chad Chad Townsend, Wade Graham Bronson Cherry uh, and, uh, and and Fecky on the wing um, it's that's re- that's a really you know really uh, dangerous uh, attacking side left left and right and then you throw in like Matty Moylan and uh, obviously I mentioned the halves and they've got a really good forward pack I think yeah um, and they've still got Aaron Woods to come back as well well they? yeah Ar- yeah you're right, right. The, 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 all, all these players coming back in makes you makes me really un- like I've totally underestimated the Sharks all year and they've been quietly plugging away whilst their their teams have been injured and you're right Brad now these guys are coming back man when you when you just expo- like rattle off names like that they have got a really good team <laughs> Brad, I was going to touch on it before you started, but the whole left-right thing, I think Josh Morris has played so much of his footy at right-centre anyway. I was going to ask, do you foresee, given how well that Wade Graham and Bronson Sherry combined, surely they just make that permanent and bring Josh Morris back in next to Nakora and and SJ on the right side? Yeah, so what I hadn't realised was that um, until last night, until John Morris um, mentioned it after the game, but Bronson Sherry, he played all all of last season on the left side, so that's where he usually plays, and he's only gone over to the right side to accommodate... Josh Morris, who usually plays on the left, but then John John Morris said um, how well he thought Josh had gone playing at right centre for New South Wales, and obviously he's played a fair bit there at, at, at rep footy, so that that's given him uh, food for thought. And then the other player to throw into the mix is Josh Dugan, who has been playing in the centres, can play fullback, you know, and can also play on the wing. Um, so they've got these three outstanding um, centres. They're going to have to find a spot for all three of them in the team. 
Um, and you know, and then you've got Matty Moylan at, at fullback and Johnson to come back in. Kyle Flanagan has been going fantastic mm. uh, in the in the halves in the absence of Johnson. Um, last night, Blake Braley he missed the cut. Uh, so we're starting to see the depth now that the Sharks have got and the, the issues they've got. And it's the same in the forwards. You know, when Aaron Woods comes back in, uh, you know, somebody's going to miss out. And, 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 you know, they didn't have a bad player last night. And, and their young forwards have been, uh, have been outstanding through the, through the period that they have had, had injuries. So I think mm. that Cronulla play Canberra next week and on Thursday night, that's going to be a, a really, really, uh, a really good game. Look, I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm, um, I was, yeah, I came away from Shark Park last night um, excited about the, the prospects for the Sharks. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about John Morris. I would have thought, you know, it's no secret that, that Josh Morris has played a fair bit of right centre, but it sounds from what you said just then that it could be a permanent side switch for the centres and Josh Dugan potentially the odd man out just plugging away on the, the right wing. But, um, yeah, with that sort of depth, it makes them a fearsome prospect through the second half of the season. Um, the early Saturday game, the Warriors up against the Storm. The Warriors really sort of taking it to him in the first half and then just... Um, fell away and I think we saw the, the quality of the Storm and Cameron Smith in particular just through that, that second 40. It's it's the same old story for both teams. When you're a lot of teams will take it to Melbourne for the first thirty minutes, forty minutes, fifty, sixty minutes, but Melbourne's eventually going to win in the end, like it's foregone conclusion. And same with the Warriors, like they'll they'll play with a lot of intensity up to a certain point, and then either they'll continue with it and they'll have a great game, or they'll you know they'll sort of just get overrun. And that's exactly what happened here. Like at ten two, the Warriors were in control. They had it thirty five minutes in, and then all of a sudden it becomes ten eight. And maybe Melbourne stepped it up. He stepped stepped it up a year. I'll probably give the, the Warriors the benefit of the doubt and and say they didn't just they didn't drop their heads. It, maybe it was just that Melbourne were too strong. I thought um, Cam Munster had a great game. Jerome Hughes was like he's he's on the rise. He's something mm. some somebody that um, we're all going to have to look out for. And that little inside pass play um, that Cameron Smith put out a couple of times. I had not seen that before. Is that a new a new thing in his in his bag of tricks? Because it, it certainly bamboozled the Warriors a couple of times, and I uh, I thought it was really good. Um, and so yeah, like like how do you beat Melbourne? You just you don't. That's probably what it comes down to. You got to be prepared to to battle for, you know, the full eighty minutes, blah blah blah, and that's that's what it takes. And the Warriors didn't have it. How good Cameron Smith still learning new tricks? Eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just on Jerome Hughes, like just can't Melbourne find a good player or. Develop yeah. a good player, um, Jerome Hughes. I, I two years ago before the World Cup, um, I spoke to him. He was he was uh, he was going to play for Wales. I think um, he's got a uh, Welsh. His father's Welsh, born in born in Wales, uh, and his mother's uh, Maori. Um, yeah. I think he'll be playing for the Kiwis in in the um, in the upcoming test against Tonga, and if not, probably probably at the end of the year. I think he, he's going that well. I know they've got obviously got a lot of fullbacks, but. He's a really good utility player, isn't he? Can play in the half. And, the, and look, I don't know how much people know about Jerome Hughes. He hasn't just emerged on the scene at, um, at Melbourne in the mm. last two or three years. This is a guy who, and I can't remember how far back now, but like he played one first-grade game for the Titans, and then he went to the Cowboys. He played one first-grade game at the Cowboys, and then he went to the Storm, and I think he had to bide his time there behind Billy Slater, and he, he got to go in. He, he made his uh, first, actually, was... This time two years ago, um, during the State of Origin period, when when Billy Slater was on Origin duty and he, he got his go in, uh, played a couple of games, and then we, we've seen him obviously come on a, a lot more last year. Um, and he was playing in the half, playing fullback. Now he's a I really rate him. He's a really exciting player. Uh, the other player that really stood out for me last night was uh, 
Dalton Ukin again, and he's got to be knocking on the door for New South Wales Origin selection. Um, I know Craig Bellamy is mystified at how he can, uh, how how he can't get in. And uh, I saw a line uh, the other day where um, the, the Craig Bellamy, the, the non-selection of Dalton Ukin almost makes Craig Bellamy want to go for Queensland. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I had Dalfanukin in my, you know, personal origin team heading into the the series, and he certainly wouldn't look out of place. Um, Just to clarify some numbers on Jerome Hughes, so what you said is correct. One game for the Titans, that was all the way back in 2013. Um, Took him three years to get his second game, which came at the Cowboys in 2016. That was his only game that year, and then got four caps for the Storm in 2017, and he's been a a more regular first grade since then. Even in 2018, he wasn't a regular first grader, but he's um, been shuffled around fullback and and halves and so on. How old is he? 24 now, hmm. so he was nice and young when he uh, yeah. first got his, his crack at the Titans, but um, yeah, probably most 24-year-olds who are going to be good players have played more than 27 yeah. games by the time they're you know 24, which Jerome Hughes is now, but like Brad said, I think probably a... Brad, would you reckon probably a 14 for him if he was going to play for the Kiwis? Obviously, Rogers the, oh, the yeah, fullback and they got halves. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah def- definitely, but he'd be, I think he'd be very good um, number 14, wouldn't he? Um, and, and I just... I just like I'm recalling back to the, the World Cup stuff, um, and I, I'm pretty sure Wales just didn't really know who he was or, and how good he was, and that's why they didn't pick him. Um, he could have been the Welsh Benji Marshall. <laughs> um, do we want anything on the Warriors before we move on to the next game, or just try well, just hard? really disappointing wasn't it, to blow to be leading ten two and to lose thirty two to ten, like thirty yeah. unanswered points um, in just in a bit over forty minutes of football. I thought. Um, Tua Vasashek was their best, um, mm. and and he was he didn't seem yeah you know, he was pretty disappointing with with the performance of his of his teammates. I thought um, yeah just they just blew that they were on, they were on top and they really took it to the storm and they just couldn't go the distance. Mm. The um the, the second Friday game was the, the West Tigers. Their first home game at Bankwest Stadium um, came against the uh, the Raiders, who've uh, been one of the real surprise packets this year. And I thought this was just one of the most, maybe the most complete performance from Canberra this year. And it was just it was just really one-sided. It wasn't the, the biggest scoreline we've seen put on a team, but just Raiders just did not give them a chance. So I, I went out to this game because, uh, as I you know let everybody know, I'm a huge Tigers fan. Uh, I also just love going to live games and all that sort of stuff. First home game at Bankwest, Friday night primetime game. This is the time to, to stand up. And it just looked, honestly, it just looked like they didn't care or they, they didn't really want to be there. Like they were, they were bunched up in attack from like the second set of the game. They had no, um, they had no oomph. I don't really, can't think of a, like a better way to describe it. They just had no energy about them. And like, granted, like it, it was cold and it was wet. But man, I made the effort to turn up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm paying to be there. Please, please reciprocate. Yeah. Like, it'll make me feel like I'm wanted. Please, like I'm, I'm, I'm a rusted on fan, but I still like. Mm. You know, please, I like to be, uh, I like to be courted. Give me something. <laughs> it was, it was a tough, a tough game to watch. Had it not been such an excellent game from the Raiders, it mm. would have been. It just would have been a, a bad night out. But the way the Raiders play, they're 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 playing with sparkle, sparkle and polish. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> sparkle and polish. CNK. Um, well, you know, every week I watch him, I become a bigger and bigger fan. We're all, also the pseudo Bateman fan cast over here as well. I thought they both mm. had great games. And Croker, like he he was. They're just playing some great football. I really like. Uh, I just like their energy and I like what they're about. Um, maybe it was just the weather. That was a Canberra. A Canberra climate. It was mm. cold. It was wet. Maybe that's why they played so well. 
But yeah, uh, shame on the Tigers. Looking. Yeah. Shame on them for, for dishing up some terrible football. I really think if Channel 9 had their time again, they would have wished... I'm sure they do wish that they'd play the earlier game as a primetime game and, mm. accept, and, and like left this one go to Foxtel at 6pm. Anyway, look, that's enough of a rant for me. Brad, what did you think of the game? <laughs> you, mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the Englishmen. Obviously, they would have been fine with the conditions. They were also bringing their, uh, their soccer skills... Yeah, and, and we saw that the week before as well with the the try that Bateman scored. Yeah, um, yeah well, you know, if you if you're a, a kid, you know, boy or a girl growing up in England, there's no doubt that you're going to play soccer at some stage. So, and and those sort of skills are, you know, they probably stay with you forever. And and, and yeah, it was pretty entertaining to watch. But I, what I suppose the point I wanted to make about the Raiders, so the other night, you know, Bateman, Whitehead, and Tapanay, that's. That's an international back row. That's that's uh, I reckon that's probably a really underrated back row when we think about you know who's got the best back row in the comp. But it'd be hard to beat that. Um, Whitehead, I can't ever remember him having a bad game. Bateman is mm. close to the bloody player of the year. Yeah, yeah. revelation. Um, you know, and Tapanay, he's he um, he performs as well. They've got a real. They have got a a great pack of forwards. Um, not not at full strength at the moment. Obviously, without Hodgson being there, and uh, Papali was um, backing up from Origin. Um, and 170 and, odd metres, just quietly, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like they are, they are a good side, aren't they? And, and they've been a bit busted from injury, but um, but you know, they still had most of their most of their players on deck the other night. They've just done really well, and the other, I think uh, Ricky Stewart mentioned this um, after their their uh, the game against the Bulldogs a week before. But you know, the recruitment at the Raiders has been. Fantastic, you know they're bringing through um, young guys. It's a bit like the Melbourne Storm. They're, they're bringing through um, young players who get out there, do the job, and or they're or they're um, you know or they're recruiting from other clubs or, or other leagues. And um, and everyone they sign seems to perform. Ryan Sutton's a guy, for example. I think none of us knew how he, he hadn't played rep footy over in the UK. He was a front rower at Wigan. Um, I think most people thought Bateman would go alright, but there's been a lot of um, you know, just English club players who've come out of you who haven't, who haven't sort of aimed up, and he, he's he, he's been a revelation. Uh, he'll probably play his way into to an England jersey. Mm. And they've brought over Chancellor Clockstad, who was pretty much unwanted at the Warriors. Please use his official name, C and K. Who you know was scoring a few tries on the wing when he was getting a chance. Might have not been used at all last year. I'd have to double check, but he's just been a revelation at fullback. And young Bailey Simonson, who was I think mm. a New Zealand sevens rugby, rugby player, seven player. Yeah, pulled yeah, off one of the try right. saves of the weekend um, in the thirteen man <laughs> version, which was uh, very impressive for a young winger. Um, so yeah, like you say, they're getting some real value out of um, some and, of these these imports. Yeah, and like Peter Mulholland's obviously, you know, he's identifying good talent, and uh, you know, they're it's a bit like Moneyball, isn't it? <laughs> uh, bringing them in, and they're they're aiming up for the Raiders. And the uh, the first game of the weekend, uh, the early Friday game, Souths up against the Knights. Um, the Knights, what's that? Six in a row now. Um, South obviously with some injuries and some players backing up or not backing up from from Origin had you know plenty of worries of their own. But um, Jesus, good again from Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle. I mean, I, everything I said about the Miller this year, I take back. I said that they were unconvincing because they hadn't really beaten anybody, uh, you know, any sort of competition heavyweights, and they've they've sort of sucked a few up in that run at this run of six. Um, and yeah, like the Rabbitohs were were Origin affected like everybody else is, and then they were Origin affected as well. I had I think Clemmer 
um, was a late a late withdrawal, um, et cetera, et cetera. I, I love no this Ponga, game. Yeah, yeah and no Ponga as well. Like, I, I love this game just purely for the fire that it had. Yeah, like, it just of- had fire and passion in it. Like, I, I did the, the battle in the forwards. Um, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, of fighting or, or punches being thrown at all, but I did love seeing four players being sent to the sin bin. It was just, just the process of it was really, really entertaining. Down to the, I can't remember who the referee was, but called over one of the Burgess boys and said, you, you're gone. And that was mm. it. Like, just that, it was... Once you just, got the second one, yeah. the crowd's like, oh, there's <laughs> yeah. a couple more coming it's here. It's just that, those sort of, like, that kind of, again, like, I talk about drama and storylines. Those sort of things, when they happen in a game, it just, I don't know, I, I love it. It's really, it's really, really entertaining. And I think it just highlights another thing to love about the sport. Um, on the field, I thought it was a really dominant performance from Newcastle. Um, I don't, yeah, I think both both teams were as origin affected as the other one, so you can't really take the win away from them that way. Um, go Newcastle! Let's don't stop, don't stop, keep the music going. Connor yeah, Watson, how like what, what didn't he? He played an amazing game. I think that that was his game of the year. And again, I think he had the, uh, oh, yeah, I've said it before, but he had that determination. He wanted it. Sorry, Brad. Yeah. I was just going to say six in a row for the Knights, and they've in the last two weeks they've beaten the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, who, who we're all talking about, a, you know, mm. were the front runners. And next week they play the Storm. Mm. Uh, if they knock over them as well, then we're going to we're really going to have to say that they're uh, premiership contenders. Although, as we keep pointing out, it's a little bit tricky at this time of the year. Mm. Um, te- teams aren't at full strength, and, and teams are affected by by rep footy. I, I really enjoyed the melee as well. Um, just, I think it's. I think it's because we don't see that sort of thing that off that often anymore, which is which is a good thing. But when we do see it, and we do, we see some some passion and some you know tempers flaring over and that sort of thing, it's it's good to see. And you know the the Burgesses and uh, uh, the you know Safidi, um, mm. those sort of guys. It was uh, imagine if Clemmer was there, it would have been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the crazy eyes come out. But yeah, yeah. And I look from a South point of view, um, it was great to see James Roberts. Um, Back out, out there in the centres, he, uh, you, you know, yeah, he, he's going to be better for the run. Um, but he's uh, he's going to he's going to be a, a bonus for South this year. There's no well, the next couple of years. There's no doubt about it. And also, you know, uh, yeah, they were without Cody Walker and they were without um, Adam Reynolds, and obviously they're they're um, they were big losses. But it was um, two really good stories in terms of Connor Tracy and Adam Dewey. These guys that have had mm. well, Adam Dewey, he's first game back back in the top grade from a, uh, a knee reconstruction, and he, he looked really good. And um, and Connor Tracy, I think he's had three knee, knee reconstructions. He's been back about 12 months now, and he's, he, he's been injury-free, but still nice to see him playing playing um, playing first grade. That was, I think, maybe his second NRL match. Yeah, he played. Um, he debuted against the Eels, and that was his second game. I think Dewey yeah. came back against the Eels, so it was both of them their, their second game of the year. Tracy, it's his second game ever. Yeah, so you know, just good to see, good to see those guys out there running around playing, playing at the, at the top level, um, and particularly, obviously, I said Dewey first came back, first came back from the new Rico, and uh, and that was a nice, um, nice kick that uh, led to James Roberts scoring his first try back in Rabbitohs colours. So, it's a very um, deep you know, kick. It was early in the tackle count from memory too, so he's prepared to sort of play eyes up and, and take his chances. Yeah, hopefully we'll see him in Lebanon colours in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. A um, few sort of 
more worries on the injury front for South. Sam Burgess has to go under the knife for a shoulder clean-out. Um, going to miss two or three games. She'll be back after the bye in, in round 16, if not before. And then sounds like Tom Burgess, who's already facing a, a one-to-two-week ban for his part in that fracas, um, is going to need some work on his ankle as well. So he's going to miss a few weeks either way with a, an ankle clean-out. So it's not just their, their arms and their backs that are getting tested. It's now their forward stocks that are going to be getting a bit of a test as well. Yeah, when the, well, when the sort of the melee happened and when tempers were flaring over there, and I was sort of it just crossed my mind that um, we all knew that Sam after this game was undergoing yeah. surgery and was going to be up for five weeks. It's like, well, what a, a suspension there. But I, I'm I'm sure that's not the case because we all know that you know carryover points, loading, they all contribute. Um, and also, like while Sam's going to be out for maybe five weeks, he's actually only going to miss two games, so he's not going to want to you know cop another match, cop another match for. Um, uh, you know, when he's fit and ready to come back. So I'm not sure uh, how much of that would have been really going through his head when he was <laughs> waiting into the middle. No, I don't, no, I don't think I don't think any of that matters. Great. That's what that's what we love about it, and that's why sometimes when these incidents do do occur, it's great because you know players are uh, they're just um, they're just in the moment and they're focused on what's going on at that particular time uh, and and the game that they're playing about, and they're not thinking about next week or next month or or any of those all the consequences or anything. Yeah, well, we'll finish with a little throw ahead to the, um, the the Monday game, which is the Bulldogs up against the Dragons. Two teams both uh, desperately in need of a win. Um, sounds like the Dragons are going to back up their Origin players. So um, Paul Vaughan, um, Tyson Frizzell moved into the um, the starting spot in the pack, and, and Ben Hunt um, going to play as well. It's a big boost for them. Is DWZ going to play for the Bulldogs? I, th- I think he's he missed the uh, the team list cut off there, oh, so well. might have to wait a, a week or two. Um, but yeah, Brad, what's your sort of take on this one? Well, from from the Dragons' point of view, like it's good news that those players have, have come through, um, um, you know, injury free from from Origin. But I don't think they've got any choice. You know, their injury list is Tim Mafai, James Graham, Gareth Widdop, and obviously Jack DeBellin's out. Uh, Jeremy Lattimore, he's, I think he's going to play. He's been named, but he's. Um, He's also been been um, out of action for, for a few weeks, and uh, you know, so yeah. But look, they're they're they're, they're really light on for truth, so they need that, those guys. And this is an important game. They need the two points. The uh, the Dragons haven't had a win for for quite a while, um, and then this will be a tough game. The Bulldogs always give them a tough game, so we'll usually give them give them a tough game. And I think um, you know they'll have, they'll have a yeah they'll they'll be up to sort of uh, uh, prove a point, and they're not. It's not about you know. It's not a terrible um, Bulldogs team, despite the fact that they're down near the bottom of the ladder, and that's that'll be their motivation as well. Trying to trying to um, get off the bottom of the ladder. These games on the on the uh, the Monday long weekend, they're usually uh, usually good clashes as well. So I think this will be a really interesting contest. Um, and yes, it's it's uh, yeah. I said it, I think it's going to be a, you know fascinating contest. Um, Dragons look like they've got a you know a better team on paper, but. Uh, their form hasn't hasn't been um, great of great of late, and yeah, they'll be really relying on Ben Hunt and uh, and Tyson Frizzell uh, and um, and uh, Paul Vaughan. Paul Vaughan, sorry, yeah, to, mm. to, to, back, to back up and, and to lead the way for it. Mm. And just on Dallin, obviously you can't play this week because he he moved after the the Tuesday teams. But um, assuming he comes in next week, do you see him? Uh, you you. You can't really drop Nick Meany, can you? So it's probably more likely he's going to start off his Bulldogs career at centre for, I would assume, Marcelo Montoya moves. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Like, and look, I think he's a great pickup for the Bulldogs, and uh, I certainly had had a little bit to do with him over in the um, the Kiwis um, Kangaroos Test last year. And I thought 
uh, he was really impressive as a on and off the field. Um, he he was uh, you could just tell how seriously he took the responsibility of being captain. Uh, he thrived on playing fullback um, and on you know on the field when the game was on, game was on the line and the test matches in in the UK especially when the game was on the line. He was the guy who was like really trying to get involved, really trying to encourage his teammates and organise. And I think I think he'll he'll be a really good pickup. Uh, for the Bulldogs, I personally, I think his best position is fullback. Um, but you know, Meany has been go, going well, and centre's probably a position where um, they don't have as much co- coverage as, uh, as as what they do at fullback or or in the half. So I think um, that's yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where we'll see him play in that centre role. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect the same. Before we get to the latest edition of Kenny's Reader Mail, shall we just have a, uh, a quick um, chinwag over what we think the um, the likely Blues changes are? Obviously, they've lost. David Clemmer, they need to find a new front rower. Jordan McLean's now in doubt. Um, Tom Travoy, which is going to come into contention um, for a, a backline spot, and there's conjecture over the halves. Brad, how many changes do you sort of foresee, depending, like assuming everyone gets through in form in the next weekend? Yeah, I think minimal changes. I think um, when, you know, the further away from last Wednesday night's game we get, I think it's it's less likely that um, we'll see un- too many unforced changes. Um Cody Walker, obviously, his his position is will will certainly certainly um, going to come under question. Um, you know, it's really unusual, isn't it, that a five eight gets or a playmaker gets replaced in an Origin game? But he went back on mm. and he set up a try. And he was really good in that last ten. And Freddie said on the footy show this morning that he wasn't hooked. It was more about they were pinned in their own line. He needed a bigger body on, so that's Jack why he White, brought, yeah. brought Whiten on. And it makes sense. What Freddie said makes sense, and it worked. It, it did work. Yeah, mm. I can I can see why why Freddie's um, amused about the I suppose the criticism that uh, that he's um, received about the, around the way that he used the interchange. Um, well, so, because yeah, they lost. Like, yeah, that, well, that's right. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. And and um, you know, Latrell Mitchell almost scored at the death there, and if he had, then maybe we, people would be. Um, looking at things differently, and they'd probably say it was a masterstroke. Mm. Well, um, if White right throws that pass a bit better and it goes mm, to the outside yeah. man instead yeah. of to Dane Gagai, then it's a, a brilliant interchange by Freddie. Yeah, that's right. So, um, oh, so yeah, look, I mean, so when you think about it like that, um, there's not really too many reasons to make a change. If I think if New South Wales were to make a change in the halves, I think Maloney coming back in, he was there last year. His partnership, obviously, with Cleary, mm. um, you know, that might help. Um, we did lack a dominant New South Wales. We did lack a dominant um, playmaker. Correct. Um, I think Cleary was supposed to, that was supposed to be his role. Uh, and one thing, so early in that game, first 20 minutes, I thought New South Wales are going to blow Queensland out of the water here. This could be a massive score because um, they were making metres down the middle so easily and Tedesco was having an absolute blinder and um, Damien Cook out of dummy half, and the amount of, um, the amount of meters that um, the Clemmer was making, and mm. Bourne as well, easy meters. I think Clemmer had ran over 100 meters in about 15 or 16 minutes, uh, and and Cookie had had about half a dozen runs out of dummy half. But um, I think Tedesco and Cook they sort of pushed um, Cleary and Cody Walker out of the game. They they yeah. they got in mm. there and they were like the um, the playmakers, and um, and those 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 two guys were like separated. They were split apart by the ruck, and um, and, and yeah, Tedesco was taking a lot of the uh, first first passes out of off the ruck, and uh, and Cook was doing a lot of kicking as well out of, out of dummy half. So I think mm. 
maybe those guys may, might have overplayed their hand in in, in hindsight. Um, obviously, we need we need to make at least one change in the forwards. And as you know, Regan Campbell Gillard, he was pretty good today. He's been there before. And this game in Perth, being on a Sunday night, the teams are going to be picked next weekend. They're going to jump on a plane. They're going to have less than a week to prepare. They might only get two training sessions, you know, in over in Perth. So you're not going to want to bring in too many new players, especially in in key positions. Obviously, if, if it's a front rower, um, you know, might might not be that big a deal. But if it's a if it's, a, it's someone in the halves, um, y- yeah, like you're going to want someone who's been there before, which is why I think maybe Maloney, if they do make a change in that in that area, um, Tom Rivojevich. Obviously, he was part of the team last year. He would have been picked if he was fit. I could see him coming in probably for Cottridge, but Cottridge, I thought he had a great game, but, um, you know... Mm. He did nothing wrong, but it's just a case of picking a better player, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, we've just got to... You said, I've just got to find find another another front rower. Um, You know, whether or not they're a front rower short in that game or another, a middle player short as well, because... You know, Clemmer played 52 minutes straight. Uh, Payne Haas played 40 minutes in his in his Origin debut. Cam Cameron Murray, uh, off the top of my head, played about 52 minutes as well. And Correct, obviously, yeah. Jake Trebojevic. Um, so they those guys, they all played big minutes. And I just wondered whether uh, and Vaughan as well. He got 40 48 minutes, I think it was. So um, yeah, just wonder whether we needed a, New South Wales needed another uh, middle forward um, to play there, perhaps in place of. Angus Crichton, um, although he played big minutes as well. Mm. So. I like Crichton as a player, but I don't think you need to have him coming on and then taking Tyson Frizzell off for long periods and having a specialist edge second rower on the bench when you could either pick, like you said, an extra middle or, or potentially someone like Tarek Sims who can play a bit of middle as well as edge or someone like Ryan Madison who can play lock, play 5-8 and play edge second row as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose if you bought in Madison, he'd probably... Probably be at the expense of White, and I'd imagine. This, mm. But he does offer um, great versatility. The plan with White was that White was going to play that back row role. Um, but, yeah. you know, things Which he change. did for the last 10 minutes when, when Cody Walker came yeah. back on uh, and Boyd Corner went off. Um, Kenny, do you want to throw anything into the Origin mix? We just went straight into the bag of oh, I mean, I think you guys have probably. <laughs> I don't think there's anything, any yeah. other words about it that could be said. You guys have definitely covered it thoroughly. I would say no unforced changes. Mm, maybe Crichton. Um, yeah. But other than that, I don't think there's going to be many changes. Um, All so right. you've been waiting. Let's hit us, hit us with it. <laughs> so I put out uh, a tweeted from the NRL Sunday Session Twitter account just as we were watching the Panthers game this afternoon saying hey hit us up if you want questions or comments i've picked out the best question or maybe it's the only question who knows i'm going to give you guys 10 10 seconds only to answer it um pretty straightforward uh brandon scott lee has asked is darius boyd going to stay in first grade after that horrid effort to stop tyrone roberts he shouldn't but he's got away with it most of the year ck um, I I mean, he does have a few instances this year where the replays look bad on him. He's, he's been wrong-footed by someone in space one-on-one and, and sort of thrown the hands up a bit. He has had other games that don't get as much airplay where he is getting smashed and putting his body in front and getting on the line. I'm wondering if it's more of a, um, a confidence thing or even just a, an old-age sort of mobility thing rather than a not-trying... <laughs> Thing, but he's probably not as as, vers- as as mobile as he used to be. Um, Brad, your you thoughts heard it on- first. Chris Kennedy says Darius Boyd is old. <laughs> he Brad, is old. Brad, what do you reckon? Well, look, Darius is get, get, getting on, but I think Darius is a victim of his own, um, you, you know, of his own standing in the game. Everyone 
so when when Darius uh, misses a tackle or Darius uh, is caught out of position or something, uh, people say, "Oh, he's you know he's past it. Um, what's he doing in first grade, etc." When other fullbacks, this happens to other fullbacks, people aren't as critical of them. I think I think um, you know it's, we just have you know star players they they get put on uh, such a pedestal, and then when maybe they're not. Um, they're not performing at the level that they want at their peak, I suppose you could say. But they're still good players. Um, but, but all of a sudden, people want to like um, criticise them for, you know, for every mistake they make or every uh, every missed tackle. And there's no doubt that Darius isn't having the best um, the best season um, of his career. Um, he it's sometimes he does look like he, you know, he's old and he's struggling. But I've seen some other games, as Chris said, where he's really put his body on the line, uh, led by example and. Um, I don't, you know, you can't blame the Broncos' woes or the Broncos' performance today just on Darius Boyd. So there we go. Yes, he's staying in first grade, and it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> I bet that's a good summary. Yeah. Um, that brings us to the end. Thanks again, boys, for joining us. Um, Brad, thank you for being a part of the Sunday session once again this year. Great input, as always, um, from, is it Wollongong, Thoreau, the... The remote office, the um, new Byron Bay, isn't it? The, the new Byron Bay. Oh, we yeah, yeah. Well, it is, yeah. They say that, uh, yeah. Let's run with that then. The new Byron Bay. <laughs> I'm happy. With, I'm happy with that. No, it's another Sunday session. We've got a um, plenty of good stuff on NRL.com through the week. Obviously, one more game to come. All your coverage on NRL.com. Um, inside the NRL Teams Tuesday, um, late mail, breaking news, and all the other good stuff. And we will be back in the studio this time again next Sunday. 